0: Well, good morning. It's good to see you today. Hope you're well and encourage you to take your Bibles to, and turn to Romans chapter 12. We'll be looking at verses 9 through 13, Romans chapter 12. We'll be looking at verses 9 through 13. Specifically, though, we'll be addressing verse 13 as we think about uh, our continued series. As We are doing a, a brief series this summer entitled Living Generously, one of the things that we want to consider in that light is the practice of hospitality. Romans chapter 12, we we'll begin reading in verse 9. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Let's pray together. Father, we ask for your spirit to give us understanding of your word. Father, not just intellectually, but Lord, even down practically. So Father, we ask God that you would teach us this day from your word and help us to rightly understand it, that we might rightly apply it, for the good of others and for the glory of your name. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. In the book of Job, we find a record of a righteous man who suffered greatly, suffered tremendous loss and pain, and throughout that book you will find Job, crying out in anguish and in many ways complaining as to what he had endured because he was indeed a righteous man. And if you make it all the way to chapter 31 of Job, we find one of his final appeals to God and one of his final defenses as, as, as he's giving himself to the Lord and as he's stating to the Lord why it is that he doesn't feel like he should have suffered so much And one of the things he says in his defense of his own righteousness is this. Job 31 verse 32, he says, The sojourner has not lodged in the street. I have opened my doors to the traveler. It's interesting that as Job gives a defense of his righteousness, one of the things that he refers to in his defense is his own practice of hospitality. So guys, if you think hospitality, I'm checking out, this is a lady's thing, wrong. Job practiced hospitality. He made a reference to it as evidence for his own life as one who feared and worshipped God. As we consider what it means to live generous lives, I know that, again, we've said this before, one of the things that we immediately think about when we think about being generous is being generous with our money and giving, giving and those kinds of things. That's next week and the week after, so we're getting to that eventually. But as we think about being a generous people, I think that one of the things that we need to consider is how we not just invest our wallets, but how we also invest our lives in others' lives as we seek to do them good and as we seek to be generous to them. One of the ways that we can extend generosity to other people is through the pursuit and practice of hospitality. So we're gonna think about that this morning because I my guess, and it's merely a guess, is that when you think about hospitality, if you're like me before I really begin to study what it means to be hospitable, biblically speaking, My guess is that for many of us, we have a limited, restricted view of what that looks like. And so my prayer, my hope is that by the time we finish our our time today is that we would not just have a, a proper, more comprehensive understanding of hospitality, but that we would understand it in a way that would motivate us and compel us to do others good in a generous way as we seek to practice hospitality. So we're going to look at several things, really three observations about hospitality today, and we could unpack this at length, but we're going to look at the heart of hospitality, obstacles to hospitality, and the practice of hospitality itself, and really the goal, I guess we should say, the goal of hospitality. So let's begin with looking at the heart of hospitality, or really we could say, what does it mean for us to practice hospitality? Most of you are thinking Martha Stewart, right? This is not not at all what we want to understand when it comes to the biblical practice of hospitality. So remember last week we looked at Romans 12, really we looked at verses 3 through 9 as we considered our spiritual gifts and how we are to be doing others good, how actually the practice of spiritual gifts in the local church is a testimony to generosity. As you serve others, it's being generous by using your spiritual gift. And so we looked at that last week, but you remember, I said last week, that Romans chapter 12 through 16 is the gospel in application. The first 11 chapters of Romans is really the gospel explained. It's not to say that there aren't any exhortations in the first 11 chapters, but when, when you look at the first 11 chapters of Romans, it's a, it's a treatise. It's a, a very thorough explanation of the gospel of grace. And then you get to chapter 12, where it transitions, and now Paul begins to apply the gospel. Okay, this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means, first of all, how to be a Christian, how you come to know Christ. And chapters 12 through 16, this is what it means to be a Christian. This is how to live it out. This is how you apply the gospel. So we see, even in our text this morning, that one of the things the gospel produces in the life of the Christian is that we are to love and care for other people deeply. See that there in verse 9. See, as sinners, we are born with the capacity to only genuinely love ourselves, right? When we're born again, our love is now consistently and increasingly applied to other people around us. Look what we see there in verses nine. Several things he says, let love be genuine. Outdo one another in showing honor. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. He says several other things there as well, but I'm just trying to highlight there the activity that we are called to as Christians that is directed to other people. Love, outdo each other in showing honor to that person not taking honor for yourself. So the focus here, a a converted person, a a believer, their focus is not now to be driven to serving self, but rather how you can invest in and serve other people. Let me just say it this way. You can't truly live as a Christian and claim to be this. You, you, You can't be a Christian and just say, well, I'm just not a people person. You can't say that. Now, you might be introverted. You might have a more quiet, reserved personality. That's fine. That's how God created you. I'm kind of that way. I'm more introverted. I'm kind of quiet, except when I preach. More reserved. We're not talking about that. What I'm saying, even the most introverted believer will care deeply about other people and will seek to demonstrate that care and that love in some way or another. So this is not a sermon saying, all of you should be extroverts. We have enough of you extroverts, right? It's not what we're saying. We're saying that you can't truly live as a Christian and claim not to be a people person. Paul mentions several activities here, but I want to focus specifically on verse 13. Here he lists specifically two commands. He says that we are to contribute to the needs of the saints and we're to seek to show hospita- hospitality or pursue hospitality. Contribute. He contributed to the needs of the saints. Now, we're going to unpack that topic more over the next few weeks, but let me just say this for now. Our possessions and our resources are given to us, not for us to hoard, but as a trust from God. Yes, number one, that our own needs might be met, but number two, that we might also be a blessing to others. We're going to unpack that more in the weeks to come. So assisting others, coming alongside of other people other believers and even financially helping them is is simply a part of normal christianity. It's normal christianity. But in addition to that Paul says that you and I are to seek to show hospitality. Now again, when you hear hospitality, many of us think punch bowls and Pinterest, right? When you hear about hospitality, that's what you're thinking. You're thinking all the nice decorations and all the nice little cakes and cupcakes and, and, and punch bowls and, and all of that. Tablecloths. I'm not saying that that can't be involved in hospitality, but, but friends, if that's all you think about when you think about hospitality, again, that's a very restricted and I would even say unhealthy view of hospitality. Hospitality is much more comprehensive than throwing a good party. Many passages that we could consider, I want us to look at a few that, that I think that will help us develop a, a, a fuller, and I would say more biblically faithful perspective. When we think about practicing hospitality, there are a couple passages I want to throw at you here. Number one is, is Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2. Here the the focus is on the stranger. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Friends, actually when you break down the word hospitality, it literally means love of strangers. Lover of strangers. You may think, well, yeah, I love my spouse they're really strange I love my children no it's a lover of those whom you normally don't know all that well back in the biblical time there were not just we find this more common I think compared to our day and time today we really have lost a sense of what biblical hospitality is about when people would travel in the New Testament even the Old Testament you see it with Job When people would travel, they would often be dependent upon the generosity of others. When they would arrive to a particular town or city, they would be dependent upon the generosity of someone to bring them into their own home. They may not know them from Adam, no pun intended. But they they would welcome people into their own homes. I mean, there just weren't that many Holiday Inns out there back then, or Hilton's, or whatever it is you stay in, wherever you have points. And so... Whenever the biblical writers would refer to hospitality, they weren't thinking Super Bowl party. They were thinking meeting practical needs at the moment, particularly diverted toward the stranger, lover of strangers. So hospitality in the Bible would have prioritized meeting needs. Not merely throwing parties, meeting needs. We're talking about meeting the real needs of others, even if they are a stranger to us. And you could unpack that, and that could mean many different things. I mean, someone that you may know or just don't know that well, or somebody you don't know at all. Back in Leviticus chapter 19, that book that most of you skip over when you're reading through the Bible. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 33. we find this there in the Old Testament law. It says, "When a stranger sojourns with you in your land," those are being spoken to Israel in the context of them, their land, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you." Did you hear that? You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. Sounds very close to the second commandment, doesn't it? For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Hospitality primarily involves the meeting of practical needs, especially among those whom we don't know all that well. We're going to come back to that in a few moments. Now, let me also point you to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9, because I don't want you to think that you can't practice hospitality to fellow Christians, because you can. The primary understanding and meaning has to do with the love of strangers. I think that we're called also to practice hospitality uh, with each other. Peter says it very specifically. He says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. So it's one of the one another's, right? We've looked at the one another command several, um, I don't know, several months ago, a year or so ago. We did a series on all the one, not all of them, but several of the one another commands. Peter uses that here. He says, show hospitality to one another. Fellow Christians, but do it without grumbling. Again, while hospitality should be and must be extended to those we're not familiar with, it certainly does include those we are familiar with. And again, it should be a, Happy privilege, not something that we grumble about. Well, I guess we'll have so-and-so over for dinner tonight. They really get on my nerves, but we'll do it anyway. It's the right thing to do. Come on. I mean, that's, that's not what we're talking about. Sometimes, sometimes the stranger, think about this, especially in a, in, a, in a congregation that's over 50 in number, you know, there are strangers among you here. I mean, how many of you, stand up. I want you to stand up if you can say this. How many of you know every single person in this room? I would have to sit down, right? And I'm the pastor. There are strangers in this room right now to you. It's true. And so, even in the context of a local church, you can practice both of these things, showing hospitality to one another, fellow Christians, and the fellow Christian may still be a stranger to you. So again, hospitality is different than merely entertaining. You must distinguish the two. Hospitality is different than simply entertaining your friends. It's not a bad thing to entertain your friends. You should do that. And in some ways, hospitality can be practiced in that kind of context. But it's not equivalent. It's not the same thing, especially on an ongoing basis. Hospitality, rather, is a particular type of kindness that we extend to those who have legitimate practical needs that we wouldn't normally extend that kind of, uh, or or we wouldn't normally have that kind of association with. Again, if we were to look at another example, we find in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, right after the parable of the wedding feast, we see in verse 12, he said also to the man who invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So again, we need to understand is that we don't need to, to simply Okay, I can't have any Christian friends. I've, got to always, inter- I've always got to be hospitable to people I don't know. We're not saying that. All we're saying is that you need to expand your definition and understand that hospitality goes way beyond what oftentimes is our restricted view of having a few people over. Right? So, so seek hospitality. In fact, here in Romans chapter 12, verse 13 seek, pursue, it, it, has, it carries this weight of being intentional. It requires you to actually do it and plan for it and pursue it. Think about a few questions. When was the last time you invited someone maybe out for lunch or dinner, maybe to your home, or maybe invited someone for coffee? When was the last time you did that? Just think about that. Got it? Now, when was the last time you did that with someone who wasn't family or a close friend? Next question is, if you couldn't come up with anything on either one of those, what has kept you from inviting others into your life? What has prohibited you from reaching out to the stranger? What is it that has that has been an obstacle for you to Truly, genuinely practice hospitality. Well, that leads me right to the next point. We think about obstacles. Because there are many reasons why why we might not practice hospitality. I want to try to highlight several of those obstacles that often keep Christians from being consistent in their hospitality. Several things that we could list here as obstacles. We could list many others, but I just want to, for time's sake, just give you some, I think, five or six. Number one is one of the obstacles that we might have is a misunderstanding of community. Again, especially if we're talking about the context of a local church, even among people like this where there are still yet strangers in this context, again, I think sometimes that Christians confuse biblical terminology with some kind of self-definition of what the church is. Too many people view the church merely as a, a place or an event rather than a family or a community, something I go to, right? How many of us said, I'm going to church today? And so we in our own language, we, we refer even to the church as something we attend, not something that we're part of. Again, not too long ago, we spent time working through those one another commands. How is it that we can practice the one another's? There are many of them. Encourage, love, strengthen, pray for. There's like 30 some of them. How is it that we can practice the one another's if we only see each other an hour and a half on Sunday? Friends, if we aren't regularly carving time out in our schedules to practice and pursue hospitality, then it might mean that we have an unhealthy definition of biblical community it could be an obstacle maybe it's just a misunderstanding of what the church is a second obstacle is a lack of missional thinking lack of missional thinking too often too often we see people as obstacles hindrances or frustrations instead of opportunities opportunities to serve. It's true, isn't it? Oftentimes we 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 see people as, as a distraction or as a frustration or as a hindrance for us to extend generosity instead of seeing them as an opportunity to encourage and to bless. But listen, friends, until we see until we see our our neighbors or our, our people we go to school with or our coworkers. As those in need of a savior, we most likely aren't going to practice consistent hospitality toward them. In fact, we're going to keep a distance, aren't we? If we, if we, if we portray them through the lens of, of they're in my way, I'm better off when they're just kind of off to the side. Instead of seeing them as, as, as those in which need a savior. We're probably not going to practice hospitality. So it's often due to a lack of missional thinking. Now, I understand that we live in a different day and time than the apostles lived or New Testament writers or Old Testament believers. I I get that. I, I get that most people depend on Expedia or orbits for their travel reservations, right? So you typically don't have your phone ringing off the hook saying, hey, can I stay at your house tonight? I don't know who you are but I'm coming to town. So that means we, we need to be, by the way, that's not an impossibility, but we need to be all the more intentional about being hospitable to others. I don't think the meaning of it changes at all. I don't think that, that okay, it's a different day, so we have to, to change the meaning. That's not what we're doing, but we may have to be contextual. We, have to, we may have to apply it in, in different ways, and so we need to think about how, we, how can we think about being hospitable again through the lens of being missional, through the lens of being a a people who love others for the sake of the gospel. Maybe it is that we're willing to host family members of our friends or our neighbors that don't have room for them. They could stay at our house. Maybe instead of only inviting your closest friends and family to your Fourth of July cookout, you invite the neighbor that you don't really know much about. Maybe you will simply offer to take a coworker out to lunch or sit down with them in the break room over a cup of coffee that you've bought for them. Maybe, maybe we, we need to, to even think more radically. And those are pretty much things that, that most of us could do, but Maybe even when we think about truly being hospitable, taking in the stranger, thinking about it from a missional perspective, what about considering foster care? What about consider housing a refugee, unpopular as that sounds today? Certainly a very biblical thing. Hosting college students. That We have many even international college students right here at St. Mary's College that during the summer months, during holidays, they don't go back home because it's too expensive, and so they stay right here. Hosting them in your home. Consider hosting a foreign exchange student. I know that some of you have done that. There are many ways that we can apply hospitality in our day and time in the biblical way. It's a great structure for evangelism. It's not equivalent to evangelism, but a hospitality, practicing hospitality, is a great context for evangelism to take place as we seek to care for the practical needs of those around us, even the stranger, and even have an opportunity then to invest in them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lack of missional thinking is often an obstacle. Fear is another obstacle. Pastor John Piper, in commenting on on hospitality, he says, the reason we don't open our checkbooks and homes as often as we should, the reasons are rooted in the bondage of fear and greed. There are many kinds of fears we have when it comes to practicing biblical hospitality. Let me list a few of them. The fear, number one, of longevity. What I mean by that is, well, what if I welcome someone in and they never leave? Right? Or what if I invite someone over for dinner and my bedtime is like 11, and they're they're going strong at midnight. Martin Luther, the great reformer back in the 1500s, he was a former monk, and he married a former nun, Catherine von Bora. They were married, and they moved into this larger building that actually formerly housed approximately 40 monks, one of which... Luther used to be and stayed in this very large place. On the very night of their wedding ceremony, when the Luther, when Martin and Catherine came together in marriage, the very night of their wedding ceremony, a man by the name of Andreas Karlstadt, one of Luther's adversaries, showed up at Luther's door. Andreas had been fleeing the Peasants' War and was seeking shelter. And on the very night of their wedding, the Luthers welcomed an adversary into their home, not for one night, but for eight weeks. Now, you may be, well, that seems a bit much. But you get the idea. That's hospitality, right? That, that's practicing hospitality. That's bringing people, even adversaries, into our homes. And obviously, friends, you have to use discernment and wisdom. I know that we live in a Sinful world. Well, Luther lived in a sinful world. Job lived in a sinful world. Obviously, you use discernment and danger exists, but friends, we, we get the idea. So sometimes we, we fear well, how long, is, how long am I going to have to do this? Fear of longevity, and so we don't do it. We're afraid that maybe people might take advantage. Fear of scrutiny. Well, what are people going to think of my dirty dishes? What are they going to think about me if they open the kids' room? What if they see that mess that I've put in the closet? What are they going to think about me? Sometimes, friends, we're more concerned with what people will think of us and our housekeeping than we are with serving them. That's called pride. Then there's the fear of awkwardness. I don't know this person too well. What if, what if, what if we get together around dinner and, and they're just not talking? Or what if they're talking too much? What, what do I do? It's gonna be awkward. So we don't practice hospitality. A lot of fears that we worry with, I think fears that I know that I have even experienced. What will people think about how we keep a home? What, what if it's going to be awkward? What, what if they stay past when it's time for me to go to sleep? Again, all of that. Who's that focused upon, by the way? So selfish, isn't it, when you hear it, when you just think it through? Uh, it's, just, it's just serving self. And hospitality is not about self at all. It's about moving beyond yourself to serve others for their good and for God's glory. Another obstacle is busyness. I'm just too busy to be hospitable. Friends, all of us could use that as an obstacle, as an excuse. All of us have used that. There might very well be seasons in your life that make hospitality more of a challenge. But friends, let those only be seasons, not the norm. It might be that you need to give up other things in in order to be more accessible to those God has called you to serve. It might be that you may even need to give up good things so that you might be more accessible to those God has called you to invest in, to be hospitable to. Or some of you might say, well, I just, a fifth obstacle, I don't have any room. Friends, you can be hospitable in a dorm room. I was reading about an example of how a college student would actually invite families from his or her church to their dorm room for ramen noodles, Trying to practice hospitality. You can practice hospitality in a dorm room. Our homes, while ideal, don't have to be the only place where hospitality can happen. Nor should it be the only place. Maybe you live with roommates or an unsupportive spouse or other circumstances just make it difficult for you to regularly use your home for this kind of ministry. Well, don't be discouraged that, well, I can't practice hospitality because I can't use my house. Friends, keep things simple. Don't, Don't overthink this, right? All of us can practice basic hospitality even right here on Sunday morning as you go up and you greet someone you don't know and just enter into a conversation with them. That's hospitality, welcoming the stranger in. You can all do that on Sunday morning simply by your greeting and welcoming conversation. Offering to take people out to lunch or meeting them at, the, the like I said, at coffee or something like that. Or, or maybe you team up with a, another believer that you're friends with and maybe it's their home that you use to serve others. Because that certainly should not restrict us or keep us from practicing hospitality if we simply don't have room or we're just unable to use our homes. Don't let that be an obstacle to you. Then the goal of hospitality. Friends, when we are called to seek to show hospitality, as Paul says here, and then Peter certainly uh, says in 1 Peter 4, 9, and the writer of Hebrews in chapter 13, and then we see many examples all scattered throughout Scripture. If our motive is simply to look good or to somehow to present ourselves as more righteous than others because we've had more people over to our house than you have, then we've missed the point. If you're using this, it just kind of has a notch on your belt. Look at me, I'm hospitable. And we've missed it. God's glory and honor are foremost, and the blessing of other people is something that ought to be our motive. The love that we have for God, the love that we have for others. But, but think about this. When we extend hospitality, especially hospitality to the stranger, are we not in a small way Embodying the gospel, are we not in some way displaying the gospel of Jesus Christ to others as we seek to welcome the stranger in? Were we not all once strangers, separated from Jesus Christ, that have now been brought into His His and adopted into His family? Reminds you from Ephesians chapter two talking about how the Gentiles have been brought in to to share with the one common family. He says, therefore, chapter two, verse 11, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God In the world. Friends, that was our testimony. We were strangers. All of us have been strangers. But, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It's an amazing testimony to the gospel. When we welcome strangers in, that's exactly what God has done for us, certainly in a more eternal way, in a more impactful way, in a more glorious way. But but as we seek to practice hospitality, as we seek to welcome people into our lives, especially the stranger, that's exactly what God has done for us through the gospel of Jesus. As we seek to practice hospitality, we are displaying in a small little way what Christ has ultimately done for us. Friends, I just ask you, are you demonstrating generosity through the regular practice of hospitality? Or, put another way, are you reflecting the character of our Savior as you reach out to include others? Whether it's a small conversation on a Sunday morning, or whether it's an ongoing ministry that you have to a neighbor, Are you seeking to live generously as you seek to invest yourselves in others for their good and for the glory of God? You see, generosity has so much more to do than just with our wallets. It has to do with our very lives. It has to do with our homes. It has to do with how we spend our time and how we seek to to love other people. So are you being generous? Are you a generous person? And is that generosity being demonstrated through the practice of hospitality? As may God give us hearts. May God give us, may, may God give us, us the eyes to see and hearts to, to pursue others for their good as we seek to welcome people in. As my prayer is not only that we would be individually hospitable, but even as a congregation, that we would be hospitable as we welcome people in and seek to do them good and to be generous. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that we have been welcomed into your family. Lord, we thank you that even though we were strangers, even though we were outside of the family of God, even though we were far from you, God, you pursued us. You came after us and you welcomed us, Lord, with open arms. Not only did you do that, Father, you secured a place for us. You secured a place, Lord, by sending your son to be the one who would pay the price for our sins so that we could be welcomed. Father, I pray today as we think about this practice of hospitality, as we think about being generous, Lord, that you would help us to see maybe areas in our own lives and on our own hearts where we have been negligent, maybe where we've been so consumed with self that we have neglected to do others good. Father, would you forgive us? Lord, even I pray that maybe today there's someone here that they feel the weight of estrangement. Lord, they feel the weight of being a stranger to you, Lord, because of their separation due to sin. Father, I pray that you would awaken them and show them that that they can be welcomed, that they can be brought in to your family through the finished work of Jesus Christ if they would simply yield their lives to him. God, would you have your way in our hearts today and would you lead us to be a people who love you, a people who are hospitable, in a generous way for your glory. We pray in Christ's name, amen.